לקוטי שיחס חלק כ"ג פרשס מסי שיחה א' לטיירה דיסקוסס דה ג'ורניס אוף אר ניישן אין דה דזרט אנד דה פרסט ורס אין דה טור פורשן איז אלה מסי בני ישראל אשר יצאו מארץ מצרים. These are the journeys of the children of Israel who left the land of Egypt. But the verse is immediately followed by the places where we camped during this long journey and isn't about the journeying itself between encampments, which begs the question, why then write this as these are the journeys of the children of Israel? Why not just write these were the encampments of the children of Israel? These are the places where we stopped And made camp. Also, for most of the 40 years in the desert, our nation was in a state of encampment rather than of travel. Why then doesn't the Torah emphasize where they stayed in the desert, again, the encampments? It would seem that we could say that according to Rashi's words on earlier occasions, that each time we have the words Bechol Ma'asehem, such as at the end of the portion of Pekudei, Rashi explains, The place where they camped is also called a journey because where they camped was just a point from which they would continue to travel. Hence, these places are also called Masois, as though to say that the word Masse incorporates both the traveling and the camping. But this explanation itself would demand some clarification. We said that the place they rested is called a journey because it's where they would journey from. The opposite would make better sense. It's the encampment that's the goal of a journey. Each time they camped, they in fact concluded a journey, arriving at the place they would camp. So the word and they traveled should be the word that incorporates the resting or the encampment and not the other way around. In addition, Even if the word masa, journey, incorporates the camping between journeys, what is its relevance here? Here we're reflecting on their encampments. So using the word masa, journeys, to indicate what our discussion is about is puzzling, as its primary meaning is journeys, and our essential discussion is about the encampments. The answer we might suggest would be based on intention and purpose. The intention and the goal of traveling and camping was to enter the land of Israel. The encampments weren't the intention, but the journeying which brought them closer and closer to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore the encampments were also called journeys, as the times that they camped were just to give the nation the opportunity to rest from the journey in order to be able to continue and resume the journey towards Eretz Yisrael. But the answer doesn't completely satisfy, as the term in the verse is elemase in the plural. These are the journeys, clearly indicating that these were not all somehow, in essence, equal journeys or equal encampments going from Egypt to the land of Israel. In the plural, elemase tells us that each individual journey is unique. As Rashi indeed comments on this verse, and says in the name of Rav Tamchuma, who expounds on these words and says, it's analogous to a king whose son became ill, so he took him to a faraway place to have him healed. On the way back, the father began citing all the stages of their journey, 
saying to him, this is where we sat, here we were cold, here you had a headache. And what makes each journey different is in fact where they camped. The journeys were all journeys. So why, going back to our question, does the Torah refer to these encampments as journeys with the words, these are the journeys and not these are the encampments? The Baal Shem Tev's teaching on the words, these are the journeys of the children of Israel, is, as we know, that each of the 42 journeys are journeys that every Jew takes throughout his or her lifetime. For we have all been taken out of Egypt, which represents the birth of man. And through the course of a life, all these journeys take place until we reach the ultimate land of true supernal life. The Baal Shem Tev explains that the place where they camped, which one of the places where they camped, called Kivres Hataiva, where the nation complained about the mun and demanded meat and suffered many deaths as a consequence to their demands, is the experience of Chachma, the experience of wisdom, where the nation buried those who desired the wrong thing. In other words, when one becomes wise, one loses his desires for things other than God as he desires only to cleave to his creator and is no longer distracted by anything else. In fact, each and every one of these journeys were opportunities for the nation to grow in their holiness and in their purity, even when they conducted themselves in a way that went contrary to God's will, as in Kivris Hataiva, where their distracting desires were nullified, not only nullified but buried, leaving no chance for the distracting desire to resurface. Accordingly, the question we are asking is stronger yet. Why does the Torah refer to the encampments as journeys? Why isn't the emphasis on the encampments, which are the opportunities that God gives for different levels of growth in our divine service, one leading to growth higher than the one before, levels that we need to access in order to take this life journey? Perhaps the reason is because the optimum plan in a man's life is that there are indeed always journeys. Man is always moving forward. Hasidus explains the noted difference between one who is stationary and one who is moving forward in their divine service. To be stationary is to remain in the same precise situation. And even when one rises in their divine service, it's only an elevation in comparison to where they were before. This isn't a completely new step forward or truly advanced step forward. And that means that the person remains connected to where he was just the day before and hasn't distanced him or herself from that new, now lower level. Really moving forward is moving beyond to a status far removed from where the person was the day before, completely departing from that lower level of yesterday, so much so that there's no relationship between these two levels of divine service. For example, there are many levels that students find themselves at in a classroom, but their varying levels are all somehow connected. Were a student to become a Rav or a Dayan, a religious judge, that would be an incomparable level to where he was previously. But even within this new path, there are multiple levels. Another example would be the multiple levels of purity that the Mishnah teaches in the Tractate of King 
Kutlin, vessels. Yet each higher level has some connection to the one that precedes it. The elevation to the Garden of Eden is incomparably higher. And yet in Gan Eden, there are many, many elevations and levels of the Garden of Eden ad infinitum. And thus the Torah states, Ela Masi, to allude to and to emphasize that a Jew should not stop or rest in his present spiritual status. Instead, his elevations should be in a way that each successive journey is inestimably different to his previous journey. This would be going from strength to strength. Let's explore this idea of going from strength to strength. In other words, an inestimable change, a journey from a journey to journey more deeply. This change happens through two experiences. One is the movement away from where one was. The second is the movement into this greater and different spiritual state. These are the two differences between halicha, going, and nesia, journeying. Halicha is the idea of moving forward in order to become more elevated. But the idea of a journey, nesia, emphasizes one's movement away from one's former place and the distance that is being created in journeying from that place. The Torah describes journey as vayisu mei, they journeyed away from something. We have several examples of this from Torah, where in the portion of Vayishlach, Yaakov meets up with Esav, and Esav says to him, let's journey and go together. Or the example in the portion of Vayeshev, when Yosef is searching for his shepherding brothers who are out in the field, he encounters a man who tells him that his brothers journeyed away and that he overheard Yosef's brothers say, let's go to Dyson. Again, in the portion of Beshalach, the Torah tells us that Moshe led the nation on a journey away from the Sea of Reeds. In fact, for this reason, the Torah frequently uses the word Nasai, journey, to mean uproot or to depart. This is exactly how it's used in the Jerusalem Talmud in describing that a person should stop thinking about something, to remove one's thoughts from something and to abandon an earlier thought. The term used in the Jerusalem Talmud is to let his thoughts journey away. The law about tefillin incorporates this idea. If one is wearing tefillin, but his thoughts have become distracted, yet he wears his tefillin with a consciousness of awe, the halacha does not determine him to have been mesiach dato, so distracted that he cannot be said to be engaged in the mitzvah of tefillin. As long as one is wearing one's tefillin in a state of awe, omed biyura, even though his focus isn't completely on his tefillin, he hasn't become cut off from the mitzvah he is actively performing, whose purpose is the subjugation of his mind and his heart. But if a person is engaging in levity or being frivolous at the time that he's wearing tefillin, which completely negates the idea of standing in a conscious state of awe of God, he becomes cut off from the mitzvah. And this would be considered hesachadas. And as we said, the Talmud Yerushalmi uses the term hesiadaitoi, his mind journeyed from there, meaning he distanced himself from a thought or a place. This explains the verse, Ela Masse Bnei Yisrael, Asher Yatsu Me'eretz Mitzrayim. These are the journeys of the children of Israel 
who had left the land of Egypt, in the plural. The Alter Rebbe questions this verse, saying, well, what about the first journey from Ramses to Sukkos, where they had already left Egypt? How can we say that it took journeys for them to leave Egypt? Didn't that happen with the very first one? And he answers this saying, that the word for Egypt, Mitzrayim, is etymologically the word Meitzar, or Gvul, a restraint or a border. But as long as they had not reached the Jericho River, or the river that would lead them to Jericho, they were still in Egypt, still restrained by the spirit of Egypt, the spirit of limitation and boundary. And they weren't out of it. They weren't cut off from it. Simultaneously, each journey was a departure from Egypt, a departure from the limitations and from the limitations of a previous encampment. Hence the words, These are the journeys of the children of Israel who had departed from Egypt. The encampments, each level grasped in one's divine service, were not yet the conclusion of leaving Egypt. They then had to leave the limitations of each encampment, freeing themselves once again from those limitations and from those boundaries, even from the holiness of the previous encampment, to leave that level and to rise to an entirely new level of holiness. They kept journeying so that this could bring them to their ultimate level. Additionally, we know that the 42 journeys in the desert allude to the period of exile when our nation finds itself in a desert of nations, surrounded by many foreign nations and strewn across the world in foreign lands. So it was with each encampment in the desert, as each time they settled in the wilderness of nations, where foreign nations bordered their encampments. Certainly the encampments were fraught with limitations when the, nature, when the nation angered God during their time there. An undebatable descent, and yet every encampment was referred to as a masse, a journey, which pointed to moving forward and an elevation. How's that possible? That even an encampment during which they angered God was incorporated in the nomenclature masse, journeys, indicating forward movement and ascent. The explanation is that the purpose of every descent in exile is the redemption that follows. It's a descent for the purpose of ascent. And it's due to the descent itself that the ascent can take place. And the ensuing, ensuing ascent is far beyond one's status before one's descent, much like a light that comes from within the darkness. Accordingly, we understand that the descent into exile is a part of the ascent in order to reach the Jordan into Jericho, the Yarden Yericho, the root of which is the word Reach, a reference to the revelation of Mashiach, whose ability will be to use the refined sense of scent to judge the nation. Even if a Jew does stumble, God forbid, and does something that is against God's will, he mustn't lose hope, heaven forfend. Rather, he must reach into the darkness and extract the light, the repentance within. Repentance within the fall, so that he can journey forward and experience an elevation. For this reason, the Torah refers to this experience with the word journey, but concealed within one's fall is the beginning of his ascent 
and movement forward. With this, we understand the connection between the Torah portion of Masay and the period of time we are in, a time referred to as Bein HaMetzarim, between the straits, a difficult time, and its proximity to Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, all in order to alert us to the fact that as we enter this time period of the three weeks, particularly the nine days from Rosh Chodesh to the ninth of Av, a reminder of the deep descent of our final exile, to never despair, God forbid, in the face of the bitter situation of exile, but rather to know that all of it is only so that we transform this into journeys and opportunities for elevation. Therefore, we need to increase energy, light, and enthusiasm in these days. And as there is no light but Torah, particularly the study of the laws of the temple, which is considered as though we ourselves would be engaging in the work of building the temple, and this light will illuminate this difficult time and bring it into a revealed state of journeys and elevations until the ultimate journey that transforms these days into days of joy and gladness and festive days speedily in our days, Mamash.